On today's podcast, I have a very special guest. Hey, they're all special, but this one is particularly <laughs> special. My good buddy, Keith uh, Gavias, who, look, he's already laughing. It's going to be fun. Keith Gavias, <laughs> if you're a Walla angler, you need, uh, Keith needs no special introduction here. Everybody knows Keith. I'm really excited to be talking with him because we have worked together a ton. I started my career with this man, so we're going to go through you it did. all and get into the meat and potatoes of why Keith is one of the most excellent walleye anglers, but multi-species anglers, even saltwater out there. This isn't another fishing podcast. This is another fishing podcast. Keith, you are, look at you, look at you. You are in Florida you have mm-hmm. completely embraced the Floridian Florida. lifestyle. <laughs> what is happening right now, man? Where, where are you? Well, well, we have a place down in a, a little community called Hernando Beach, a little bit north of Tampa, right on the Gulf. And uh, just uh, about five, six years ago, bought a place down here because it turns out the Gulf of Mexico is a high target environment for fish. And I like to catch fish. <laughs> Yes. If there's one thing that I know about you, Keith, is that you, you really love to catch fish. And I mean, um, you know, you're a multi-species guy. I mean, I ultimately, um, uh, I, I think when I, when I saw that you had moved to Florida and then I'm seeing all your social media posts, I'm like, right. yeah, you are just eating up with fishing period, you know, right. and, no. and walleyes just happen to be in your way, you know, living in, in, uh, up North, and so you, you, you dominated the walleyes and now you're down in Florida. You're like, okay, I got to figure every fish swimming in the ocean now, so you <laughs> figure out how to catch them. So, well, I mean, maybe not everyone, but I mean, you go offshore here in the Gulf and it's a lot like walleye fishing, using your electronics a lot and finding fish and then just, just learning a few techniques to catch them. But it's a lot of electronics work. So, and I've always liked doing that. Right, right. So I, I kind of like starting these podcasts with um, professional anglers with, you know, how you actually got started fishing. Um, I, I think that origin story many people can relate to because it's very similar to, I mean, nearly every fisherman kind of has a similar story right. I've found. So how, how did you get started with fishing? Well, I, you know, I started very young. You know, they say I started fishing around three or four years old. I had a father who he fished some, not, not real avidly, but he, you know, he let us fish. He took us fishing, but I had a grandpa who really liked fishing. So I, I spent a lot of time with him. It turns out my grandpa was kind of a, I call him a grumpy old man. I mean, he was, he, you know, a lot of the grandkids didn't like going fishing with him because something went wrong. It was obviously the kid's fault, not, not his fault. So he liked to, you know, comment a lot and, and I criticized a little bit. And, and I just figured that was part of fishing. If I, if all I got to do is get yelled at a little to go fishing, that that's fine with me. So I, uh, I, I was the grandkid that could put up with him, I guess. And so I got to go fishing a lot with him. You know, he'd make deals with my mom to take me out of school. If I got good grades and take me to the Wolf river, white bass fishing, or, you know, would go up North and go Northern pike fishing. In fact, when I was young, I, I, yeah, I really didn't target walleye saw I was about 21. So uh, you said I multi-species fish. That's all I did when I was young. I didn't care what it was, what was biting pike or bass or bluegills or carp. As long as it was pulling on my line, that's all I really wanted. What, what was it like? You know, I remember, so I started fishing, you know, a little, little farm pond in a town of, you know, outside of a town of 900 people, you know, in this right. farming community in Southern uh, Minnesota. And it was all I had to choose from really was that little pond with algae, you know, it was just covered in algae in the summertime. And then I had right. creeks, you know, so it was like, it was green sunfish. It was like yellow bullheads and creek chubs. And yet just yeah. those three, you know, those three species just tripped my trigger. What like, right. and for me, if I go back to that time, it was, um, it was like, uh, there was something about just feeling that bite, you know, and, and Mm. then, and then connecting and then being connected to that animal and just like, Oh my God, it's all, you know, even if it was like, I mean, seriously, even the littlest fish, I felt that 
you know, and then as you got, you know, as you got older, more experience with fishing, then you're catching bigger fish. And, but it's that same thing. Did you feel a similar? I still, no, I still, people are just amazed that sometimes I'll sit out in the ocean and just catch a ton of little grunts. I, I still love just getting that bite, setting the hook, you know, reeling the fish in that. I mean, that still is fun, you know, more advanced as you got more, I got more advanced is figuring out the puzzle, not having people show you how to do it, but really going out and figuring it out all by yourself. And again, using your electronics or using maps or, or whatever it is, using instincts or tuition or, or experience and just trying to figure out, you know, where the fish are, why they are there. And then of course, how to catch them. So you, um, you know, you started the interesting thing too. So I, I, I'm always curious about this, how a pro angler uh, gets into the business, particularly how you did it. And I've, I've talked to you about this before when we've been on shoots, I guess we should probably set up how we actually know each other. Cause you know, that's in a, an important right. aspect. So I, I started um, right out of college. I started with Bass Pro Shops and, you know, Bass right. Pro Shops in the day. So that was 2000. This is how long it is. 22 years ago. <laughs> yeah. 22 years ago. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We were just starting to shoot the Bass Pro Outdoor World. It was like the first year of shooting that. And me and Parsons got to do all of the freshwater non-bass species. And you were one of the one or two guys they'd send up to actually shoot our shows. So it was a long time ago. <laughs> you were, you were, it was, you were the, you guys were like the, the multi-species guys, I guess, you know, the Northern right, multi-species right. guys. And do you remember, you know, the first shoot that we worked on? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Uh, was it the green Bay one where you lost your tripod? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That was, an, you know, that was another, that was another cameraman. I know we all look the same to you. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm putting you on the spot. It's all right. I'm not going to be offended. First one we shot musky fishing with mana. No, Mom. It, it was, I'll give you one more guess. Jeez. I don't even know if I can remember back that far. One it was late. Oh, I know where it was. You like to sleep in. That's where it was. <laughs> I still do. Guilty yeah. as charged. Huron, Lake Erie, Huron. We went out no, there just it, being wrong, yes, but, but, uh, but, uh, but sure. It, it was, it was, it was Lake Cumberland for stripers. I think it was, it was Erie. It was Lake Cumberland. I know for certain, cause you were one of the first celebrities I ever worked with. Do you know, the interesting thing is, is we, we shot that with a guy down there. I don't remember his name, but he put a cast net in my boat. And like three years later, way up in a compartment, I found his cast net and I never did get it back to him. I think I still have that. I probably should get it back. Did it have any shad in it still? And just totally reeked hey, no, up here? Well, Cumberland, it could be Cumberland. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was, that. it was late Cumberland. And I, I, I remember it's like, I was nervous, you know, cause I'm working with Keith Cavias. <laughs> and and then mm-hmm. and then you know then I met you and it was it was uh, it was awesome to meet you and 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 we went off and we had a great show and from then our our friendship blossomed even more it did. and uh, it did. so what what happened was no we had some great we had some great together yeah oh I mean I dude I I remember you know so the show that we worked on it was called uh, Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And I really, I mean, I, I got to meet all kinds of different anglers, work with different anglers. It was really an eye-opening experience because I grew up, you know, my celebrities were fishermen, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, movie stars and stuff were, were great and everything, but my focus was always so much on fishing, you know? Right. So, so fishermen were celebrities to me. That's who I read about. That's who I watched on TV. So like when I first, it's, it's a very, um, nerve-wracking experience when you're jumping into the industry and you're a young kid i was like i was 24 i think it was like right. i was 24 25 and here i am there there's keith and i've been reading about keith and in fisherman magazines and and you know seeing his retail videos and you know he's doing seminars and whatnot and then all of a sudden now i'm tasked with per- making a show that is featuring Keith. And it's like, you know, we got to, we got to get this show for outdoor world. So it's, it was a, it was a strange transition. I got to tell you. And so now that was some of my first TV experience too. I mean, I hadn't really done any shows. I mean, I was on a few shows, you know, as a, as a, as a guest, but those were the first shows I ever hosted. So I was going through a learning experience also. So yeah, we kind of, 
figured it out together, I guess. That's good. But but you were always, you know, what I really appreciated about you, and I'm not going to name names who isn't this way, but <laughs> you you really understood, like, what it took to make a TV show. And so, I mean, now with YouTube, it's all, like, out the window. In many ways, I think, I think YouTube's terrible, <laughs> quite frankly. I really do. Um, but, but you know, you knew what it took to take, uh, to tell an interesting fishing story, right? That's what, you know, we're out there to do. We're out right. there to tell a good story and, and to tell a, you know, education wise, you know, y- you got to take the time to get the close-ups. You got to take the time to really do good right. instructions. And, and there's a lot of anglers, uh, that are work that work in television that don't quite understand that, you know, and, and if you take the, yeah. Right. That kind of came from when I was young, I used to watch every TV fishing show there was, of course, back then it was like three, four shows on, on TNT, I think, or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, it was Roland Martin, Orlando Wilson. Yeah. And then Fisherman had a show and then, uh, dance i think maybe or some you know it was only like it was a block of two hours is all you could get we had no internet and things so i watched them i i wasn't that interested in bass at that time but i'd watch them just because it was fishing but what really got me i remember one episode i don't know who did it but they were catching fish and they kept saying big o they're catching them on a big o big o and they never really showed it and we didn't have internet to look it up. And I was so mad that because I wanted to get one of these big O's. Where's these big O's? Where do I find one? And up in Wisconsin, we didn't have big O's. And that always kind of stood in my mind. And when I started doing TV, I just decided, you know what? It, I'm going to tell people everything. I'm going to tell them how I found the spot. I'm going to show them the lures I caught them on. I'm going to show them the colors I caught. I don't want them guessing. I'm going to just tell them because I think that's why some many people watch fishing shows. We all like to watch big fish being caught. We all like to have, you know, see the fun out in the boat and things. But a lot of anglers want to try and also learn something in that half hour. And so that's why I always really took my time just, you know, yeah, we're just going to take a break from fishing and just sit down and talk about the nuts and bolts of what we're doing. And we got really good response from that on the next bite, uh, which is the show we did after uh, the Bass Pro one. Um, And so... Uh, I've always been really happy with that. We've had a lot, I've had a lot of people try and convince me to do other, you know, do the different formats for the shows and things like that. And I've always come back to, you know, I I just want to tell people what I'm doing here and and have a little fun and catch some fish. Yeah. The, the, the thing that's, uh, I mean, it's so, it's so important. And I honestly, because I'd been working in the industry so long filming and filming tips. And I felt like I had absorbed every tip imaginable, you know, that I actually got burnt out by like, okay, it's like, I've filmed so many tips. There's I've done so much education. It's like, ah, but that being said, it's so important to keep doing that because there's a new crop. There's a new crop. Like for instance, um, I bought a, a boat, uh, relatively recent. It's sitting right out there. I got to get it. I haven't even got it out yet, but it's a, uh, and it's inspired by you guys. I know I'm like very, people are uh, highly uh, impressionable, you know, and I'm no different. And so of course that's a tracker tundra or a Targa rather out there in my driveway, Keith. And I want to say nice. because of all the very times nice. that I've been in trackers, <laughs> that that's why that boat is sitting out there. But nice. um, so, but I, you know, I'm, trying to be a better walleye fisherman. And, you know, I should be way better than I am because I've filmed so much with you, you know, but I'm in the, I'm in that position where I'm like, I need to learn and I need to find videos now of how to do all this stuff that I've filmed, but I can't remember, you know, and it's, and it's important that because uh, you have new people, whether they be young anglers or just a, an older person, you know, that wants to to get learn how to catch walleye. There's always this new group of anglers that's coming on board that needs to know how to do these different techniques. And I'd say in, right. you know, in walleye fishermen in walleye fishing, there's probably this is I think I, this this is true. There, It's more complex. There's more complexities. And as far as the rigs and how to present, uh, you know, with trolling. Um, uh, I think just the, then kind of the nature of the fish. I mean, he, uh, walleyes will catch them in a foot of water, but we'll catch them in 70 feet of water. We'll catch them when right on the bottom, we'll catch them suspended. 
We'll catch them in weeds. We'll catch them on sand bottoms. And so they're, it's not quite as patternable. Now I think all fish, I think more and more with the electronics we got out now, I mean, even the bass anglers are learning about suspended bass and, and fishing well out deeper and, you know, not just casting to shore and, and all that. So, I, you know, every fish is like that, but walleyes have always in particular been that way because the hardest part of a walleye is finding them. Once you find them, it's somewhat easy to make a walleye bite, you know, but, uh, that finding them because they're so diverse and can be much anywhere. Uh, that's really important. Going back to your other point, I think the other big thing about, you know, when we did the TV show, we spent time on real simple things like knots because the upcoming group needs to know about knots and, and just colors and things like that. But then the more sophisticated anglers could also watch it and they might pick up something about how to use, uh, live target to look ahead and see fish or, you know, something much more advanced. So in a show, we really tried to make sure we covered not only basic stuff, but a little bit more advanced stuff. So no matter what your level is, you could pick out one or two or three things during the show to try the next time you're on the lake. And then hopefully you're more successful too. So, you know, we got the new people coming, we got anglers are out there that just want to learn something new. We got anglers out there just want to find a new place to fish, new place to find the fish, something like that. So, uh, I just, I really did enjoy doing TV shows and, 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 you know, I still do a lot of social media and stuff. Um, just letting people know the same kinds of things. Yeah. And I, and I'll say this, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe when you get older, you get a little bit more sentimental, you know, I, but I will <laughs> say, I just, I, I do want you to know how much I appreciated working with you, um, all those years. Okay. And, and it was, uh, I know you're, I know you're, I know you're uncomfortable when, th- you know, when conversations like this occur, but yeah. I, I really, you know, I, I do appreciate you, Keith. The one thing we always liked about working with you back then was you were young. We were, you know, I was probably, what well, I must be 20 years older than you were 15 years <laughs> older. I had been long time married. So you would always come with your little stories about being single and doing the things single guys get to do. And I kind of got to live vicariously through you and it was great. Then you went and got married. That, that's when we got rid of you because the stories were done. You, I mean, I still got, you know, I still got some fun stories, but I just, I really can't <laughs> just talk about those. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, when you, when you film a, a TV show, you're spending a lot of time uh, oh, on yeah. the water and you, you really, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I was thinking about this the other day, fishing buddies are the greatest buddies. I mean, my, my closest friends are fishing buddies and you're spending a ton of time out of the water. You're doing something that you really enjoy doing and you're, you're doing that together, you know? And and so you're sharing in this, this, the love of fishing together. And so, and then also when the fishing sucks, you got plenty of time to talk and how, you know, learn about what's going on in each other's lives and telling all kinds of stories about conquests that may or may not have even occurred. They could be completely BS. Um, but, but yes, it was, you know, those moments I really, you know, again, I'm getting sentimental, but I really cherish. And especially when you're, you're having these moments with people that you've, you've grown up watching or reading articles about or something like that. I, I never, um, took that for granted. I really didn't. Now it, it got to be, you know, it's like, it's still work, you know, we're out there and, and there, there could be challenging times with weather and just, you know, you got to get a show, but, um, Ultimately, I, you know, when you have a love of fishing, I have a love of fishing. When you got people like that in the same boat together, it's, it's a, those are experiences that I really, really cherish. And, um, I, I just, especially at now at my ripe old age of 46 years old, um, I, I really, yeah. So I'm, I'm letting you in now, you know, my age. So yeah, 46. Yeah. So (laughs) <laughs> it's all relative Keith you're, you're thinking ah 46 what a young buck you know I and I'll tell you that's one of the reasons I'm in Florida now is is that you know it's just a great place that friends I've known forever can come down and we can I can pretty much guarantee when we go out fishing in the ocean or in the gulf we're going to catch a bunch of fish and have fun and reminisce and you know it's not walleye fishing it's not what I've done for a lot of years but it's fishing 
And that's a big common thread in, in a lot of our lives. And, and I think as people get involved with fishing, it's one of the reasons they stay involved with fishing because of that common thread. No, no doubt. So I wanted to just wrap up kind of bookend that, um, how we, we got to know each other. So, so I, st- I worked at Bass Pro Shops out of college uh, from 2000 to 2004. I just started, uh, decided to get into a business that really, in hindsight, I never should have tried to get into. Um, New Leaf. Uh, no, that was, yes, let's call it that, New Leaf. Well, there was, there was, there was one in between that. But, <laughs> but so we, we I, I uh, branched out, started my, uh, a business, and we were, uh, producing the, we produced the first two seasons of the next bite. And I got to tell you, I just want to tell you oh. this. Yeah. So, so this business, you would, you had hired us to produce the show. So basically we would, uh, we would film it. This is the Edited. first, very two seasons, the first season one and season two of the next bite. And right. so, um, I remember working on that show, that first season, and there were a few times it was so stressful. There was a few times I was up for like two days to make sure that that show went out. I mean, it was, it was so stressful. The voiceover guy, I don't even want to get into that because I I'm, it, 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 it was beyond stressful. And it probably, if people don't like understand real, uh, like editing, I'm not talking YouTube editing. I'm not talking what you see on YouTube, most primary, like primary YouTube. I'm talking like more sophisticated, like uh, editing with having to do quality control and make sure all your levels are good and it's color corrected. And, and there weren't jump cuts back in the day. Like you had to put cutaways over rough you know just cut you like you anyway it was professional video production and so one guy honestly and every editor can tell you this story because every editor's gone through this it was just like deadlines and making and getting shows out i gotta tell you that year or that season producing that show i don't know if i've ever told you it was one of the most stressful times of my life and then to have a business well it wasn't the most optimal situation i'll just put it that way so uh, we did the next fight. And then what happened was um, uh, <laughs> I, I went and worked for a company called Wintercom. Uh, I right. then went freelance again. And then we came back together. I, I worked with you guys to do uh, several more seasons um, of the next fight. So right. that's, that's our relationship in a nutshell. That's how right. I got to know, to know Keith. So, um, but I wanted, you know, how did you, how did you make that transition from, okay, I love fishing. Um, right. How do I make this into a career? Well, it was interesting when I was young and, you know, I just always loved fishing. I was thought when I grew up, maybe I'd like own a resort or be a guide, something like that, where I could make money fishing. So that was always my goal. Um, obviously I went through college and I got a computer science degree and a math degree. And to, just to make money, I went to work for IBM for about 10 years. But while I was at IBM, I kept fishing and I, and I got into a really competitive fishing club in Rochester, Minnesota, where they would actually have boaters and non-boaters. And I didn't have a boat, so I just go as a non-boater. And just the competitive juices of that, you know, just winning trophies was like, ah, I really like doing this, competing like this, you know. And uh, about that time, uh, Gary Parsons had started one year before me fishing some local tournaments. And he said, you got to get in some of these tournaments. It's just the best thing. And it's just fun. It's just the excitement and the, the, the thrill of taking off and catching just magnitudes, all of the fish catches and things. So um, I started fishing with a, a guy from IBM. He still prefishes with me to this day, uh, Jeff Stevenson. And we got into the MWC when it was first starting, the manufacturer's walleye circuit, the team circuit. And uh, we actually had pretty good success. We qualified for the championship our two first two years. And then by the third year, uh, Gary had uh, switched partners, and I and Jeff didn't really want to keep uh, kind of going at it as hardcore as I like to. So that's when Gary and I got together and started fishing all the tournaments together. And it just kind of blossomed from there. I mean, we, 
had really good success our first year together, won a team of the year, angler of the year or team of the year and championship and got a few sponsors and lo and behold, sponsors just kind of kept coming. We started working real hard for the sponsors and by eventually by 1991, so about five years into my tournament life, um, I quit IBM to do this full time. And about a half year after that, Gary quit being a dentist to do it full time. And that's kind of where it all started. So I, I was recently uh, in the Rochester area and I, I drive past IBM when I'm wherever I'm going down to like southeastern Minnesota to trout fish or whatever. And uh, and I, whenever I drive past that building, I think you every single time I go, Keith used to work there. So what did you, yeah, what, what did you do there? I was a computer programmer on, uh, on, uh, software, internal software. Actually the last several projects I did were kind of the forefront of internet. We were working on getting computers to talk to each other over long distances. At that time, our big uh, customer was uh, Walgreens and they wanted to have it. So anybody could walk into any Walgreens and get their prescription filled, even though their Walgreens was thousands of miles away. So we actually got computers to talk to each other. And uh, again, that was about three, four years later is when the internet came out. And so we were kind of the forefront of that, getting computers to talk to each other and network and things like that. So it was a great job. I, I, I really did love IBM. I got really lucky at IBM because I had a manager who loved to fish. And so he would let me take time off without pay to get to tournaments. He'd let me take time off to go and do seminars. Um, and eventually when I decided I was going to quit, he basically said, Hey, listen, go and try it. If it don't work out, you want to come back in the next two or three years, you're welcome right back. You can have your job back. So it wasn't as much of a kind of a jumping off the deep end as some people might think, you know, I'm going from a very successful computer science uh, career to fishing but uh, once I got in fishing and things went well, continued to win, did continue to get more and more sponsors. Um, we, I just kind of never looked back. So uh, it was a really nice transition. It, it was a great 10 years at IBM, but it's been better uh, 20, 30, 31 years after it now. So. Would you have ever thought that that's how uh, life would have turned out for you when you're no, no. And, and in fact, uh, my wife will take credit for it. Cause if I hadn't married her, she's Gary's sister, the Parsons family. If I had never met the Parsons family, I would have probably never gotten to tournament fishing and I'd probably still be at IBM right now. Um, you know, just taking, taking fishing trips wherever I could all around the world. So, uh, so you, no, it worked out. Great. No doubt. So you went, you went from, uh, when you were at IBM, what fisheries were you, were you hitting up? You were we, going over to Red Wing or like Maine? Red wing is what we'd hit. We'd take trips up north to my dad's cabin in northern Wisconsin. We go out by uh what was it out to the west or Faribault or whatever. There's yeah, a few lakes yeah. that yeah. few out that way, which was horrible fishing. Really hard fishing. <laughs> yeah. No, that's like Cannon River to <laughs> so Tonka, it was probably. mainly Red Wing and then Pepin. We got pretty good at Pepin too. So um, that was kind of where I cut my teeth. So I had a lot of river experience. The nice thing, Gary was Winnebago and over here, over in Wisconsin. And so he had a lot of lake experience. So we kind of were a pretty good fit together. We could go pretty much anywhere and had the techniques down to, to uh, catch some fish. So that transition where, um, do you remember where, you know, where you were like, try, try to, um, put us into that moment where you're like, okay, uh, I am going to give this a run now. I'm going to let go of the, uh, you know, the IBM job and, and things have lined up so that the sponsors are there. The Because let's face right. it, especially back then, right? And this is what I've, I think I've said this to you and Gary, like it's one thing to, and, and it's all very difficult, but it's one thing to make a career in bass fishing, right? It's a totally different thing to make a career in walleye fishing, I would say there's, there's far fewer, um, right. there's fewer opportunities there, it's, I, especially that long ago. So right. how, I mean, that's crazy. Like well, how. I, I think the biggest thing that kind of, I learned real early on is, is that nobody pays you to fish. I mean, there's very few even bass anglers that get just, all they got to do is fish and, and, you know, people cover them or whatever. 
I mean, you basically don't get paid to fish. What you do is you fish to get credibility. You fish to learn things. You fish to, to figure out things. And then your job is to teach people what you did. Um, that's my job is to go out and, and, and try and make or help people catch more fish. Uh, a good example of that is shiver minnows. Uh, you know, I, me and Gary won a turn, did one and two in a tournament when nobody was casting shiver minnows, glide baits. And, and we could have just kind of sat on that information and probably won several more tournaments before the other, you know, before the word got out. But we always figured our job is to tell people what we do. And so we right away did a show on shiver minnows. We, we wrote about shiver minnows. We taught as many people as we could about shiver minnows. And that's just the way we've always done things. We don't kind of hide these secret techniques. When we figure out something like that, we try and tell people that because that's what we get paid for by sponsors. They want us having people search us out for our knowledge, basically. And that's what sponsors are paying us for. And what sponsors give you is a nice steady income instead of tournament income, which is can be really good. <laughs> it can be really bad. <laughs> so you get all these valleys and mountains and tournament fishing. And, and just by having a good set of sponsors and sponsors that allow us to design tackle or design rods or design boats or get things just the way we like them, which also makes it easier then to talk about because it's what I exactly what I want. Um, having that good set of sponsors was just really key. And, and, and we had pretty much gotten to that point before I quit IBM. Um, the problem was, is I was kind of doing both jobs kind of half, half. I was half being a good programmer, half being a good promoter and fisherman and not really doing one excellently. And so I had to make that decision and I, I eased into it a little bit, went to halftime at IBM, then went down to quarter time at IBM and then finally you know, went all the way. So it was a more of a gradual, there was no one day where I just said, Oh, I'm going to do this. It was pretty much gradual and working it out with my bosses, my wife, my family and things like that, that I kind of eased into it. Um, but in uh, 91, it was CIBM. I'm going fishing. <laughs> so tell me what that first year was like. Was it, I mean, was it like eating grilled cheese? I mean, peanut butter. And, I mean, what was, no, what was that no, like making we, that jump? We had, no, we had, we had quite a few sponsors by then. You know, we had some good sponsors back then with Skeeter. And we always have had Mercury. You know, we had Lawrence back then. We were pretty much with the same companies we were in 88. Um, very few changes. We switched from Skeeter because the guy who built our Skeeter boats went to work at Tracker and started building boats there and wanted us to come and help him doing there. So we kind of stayed with the person instead of the company there, which turned out to be a great thing. I mean, Bass Pro has just been a wonderful sponsor. They've supported walleye fishing and their name Bass Pro means just that they know nothing about walleye fishing. So they kind of relied on us to to, you know, push them in the right direction and get the right products in their, in their, in their, uh, stores and things like that. And it's just been a really wonderful thing. And Johnny Morris is just one of the greatest guys in our sport and just the way he does conservation and, and kind of forward thinking about our sport, not just bass fishing, but all of fishing, uh, has really just, uh, been super important for me in my career. And, and, but, like I said, that, that good list of sponsors is really, really important. So, yeah, you guys. Not, it, not easy. You got it, 10, it, 12 it, it's not easy having a big list of sponsors because every one of them is your boss. And so they all want something. They all want something different. They all want time. They all want meetings. They all want. And so it's nice having a lot of sponsors, kind of like a big stock portfolio, but it's also 12, 14 different bosses at one time. So, and, and that's exactly right. You know, I, I see that, um, you know, I, I learned that pretty quickly on what that's like. I mean, I, I saw it firsthand. Um, and yeah, people, people see that you know, people want to be a pro fisherman. It's glamorous. You know, I have a lot to do with that, the way I shoot and the edit, you know, it's, it's a lot of glossiness it's put over everything, you know, and it's looks, it's like movie stars. That's why movie stars are, that's why, you know, there's magazine articles written and you see them in the grocery stores. They're like, ah, it's great to be a celebrity. A lot of it is like, no, you're not really seen. I've been on a movie set before. And it's like the most god awful boring. Like there's nothing going on because between right. scene, it's there's there's a lot of 
Kind of like being on a husky shoot. Yes. Yes. Very <laughs> similar. Although I've been on bass shoots that are, I mean, I'm like, is there a bass in this? Like what is going on right now? Or, you know, filming a, a tournament. I'm like, gosh, right. bass seem to be the fish of 10,000 casts or any fish sometimes <laughs> could be that way. Yeah. It seems like, but, but no, I mean, the, the thing is, is that in, you know, our line of work, um, you know, it, it, we are, are tasked with, uh, you know, we got to put out a product like in, in television, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta look good. So, right. but it, but it's the reality is it's a, it's, it's a lot of work. And when you have, um, you know, when you have a lot of sponsors, there's a lot of obligations and, um, you gotta be, uh, the reality is you just have to have a great work ethic to be mm. successful at this thing. And then uh, obviously you gotta, you gotta put in the time on the water and be a great fisherman. So, right. um, but you, you are one of the best with like sponsors and just handling that. What's like, if you could give a, a, an angler, an aspiring pro, uh, any advice, what would it be? Number one is they're not going to pay you to fish. I mean, you just got to get that out of your head that, oh, I'm going to go out and win a tournament and people are going to pay me to win that tournament or for winning that tournament. It just doesn't happen. What you need to do is take and look at what you like to do when you're fishing, what your strong suits are, then figure out whose product you like doing that with, and then figure out how you can get the word out, how you can teach people about that product, because that's what sponsors will pay you for. If you can do social media about that product and, and do a real, I mean, it's not fake. It's, it's just telling people how you fish um, and then build up a little bit of a catalog of that and then go to a sponsor that they can see, hey, this guy really does use our product. This guy really does like our product. This guy really has, can talk about our product intelligently. That's good for our consumer. That's what sponsors want. They want some, somebody to explain how to use their stuff, basically, and, and not just, you know, kind of fluff, kind of, oh, yeah, I cast it out and I caught, you know, a fish. It's how do you apply it to different situations? And, and uh, so it's, it is work. It's just a lot of work. The good thing is, is these days it's so much easier than back when, we, when I started. Back when I started, we, we had to get a magazine writer. We had to convince a magazine to run our articles. Um, you know, we didn't have internet. We didn't have uh, uh, social media. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have all of these things. You can kind of go and do it on your own now. You don't need to necessarily do a TV show anymore. You can get out information about what you do in other ways. And there are anglers who do that very successfully. So, um, you know, that's one thing. The other thing is, as I'll tell you, go to, go to tournaments fish tournaments for this local club tournaments or regional or, or the national ones, if you can get up to that. And, and if you do well, look at that as a, as kind of a diploma, it's kind of a college education. Again, nobody's going to pay you to go to college. What they're going to pay you for is what do you do with that information, that credibility you've got, that, that knowledge you've gained through these tournaments and have proven through your finishes, what can you do with that to actually help teach people how to fish? And it, it's not a pretty message, I guess. It's not a glamorous message. It's here's the work you got to do to make some money. So that's what yeah, I've no, always done. No, it's, it's, it's reality. It's great advice. Um, and if you're an aspiring pro and you're not listening to this man right here with that advice, you're making a grave mistake. <laughs> I've had a I, I've lot told of you that, like you've also you've got a hell of a business sense too. Like I mean, you've you know yeah. you you were the you were the the business mind I'd say behind the next bite, right? And you just you just were really you know um, you're just very good at that. Sensible, you, I mean, like a business, treat it like a business. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it is. It, it's it's absolutely that. Uh, so one of the things I really appreciated about you too, and just your career is that your ability to work on baits and to get baits dialed in with companies. Um, explain, you know, talk about your relationship through the years with the, the, you know, man, you know, the, the tackle manufacturers that you worked with um, and just to get stuff dialed and like, especially lures, yeah. like how important yeah. just, I find that fascinating. It, it's one of the most, uh, I guess, rewarding parts of what I get to do, especially now. And, and actually for the last probably 15 or 20 years now is actually helping 
companies develop lures. What's interesting is, is a lot of companies and we still see it, um, you know, they, they create a lure, an engineer creates it or, or whoever, a mold maker creates a lure. They put it in some nice packaging and then they, they, they do some nice advertising behind it. Anglers go out and buy it. They bring it out in the water. They may or may not be successful. And if they're not successful, the product just kind of goes away. But it's the kind of thing where a company made some money because everybody had to try it. Um, my philosophy has always been on, on especially lure development is the walleyes get to tell you what's right. That flat out what it is. Now, do we have, do I have good ideas or me and Gary have good ideas about what the bait should do, how it should rattle, how it should roll, how it should, uh, you know, look in the water, things like that. Absolutely. And that's what we design. Thankfully we got involved with Berkeley now, probably almost 20 years ago on, on lure designing. And they let us go through a process Basically, that's required through our contracts with them. Any lure that we develop for them, they don't just get to, oh, we need a lure out. We're going to bring it to market no matter what phase it's at. They have to wait till we prototype it, test it, make sure it's catching fish, refine it, repro- you know, make the production molds, test those. Then if everything is good, out goes the product. And that could take two years. It could also take six years. You know, and that, that is very difficult for a lot of marketing people and salespeople and advertising people and people who are worried about the bottom line of pure fishing or the company they're with to kind of get over because it, it takes too long. It, it's an investment four, five, six years ahead of time to finally start making money. But if you go through that process and we've proven it with flicker shads, flicker minnows, jointed hit sticks. All of those baits went through that process so that when they come out, people can pretty much take them out of the package, start pulling them around, and they catch fish. And because they do that, they go and buy more. Fishermen are super easy. If it catches a fish, I will buy it. Price, a little bit matters. Cheaper is better, of course. But if it catches fish, they buy it. They buy and it. It's not a real, you know, it's not real difficult. Yeah concept to to prove to anybody because it's worked over and over and over again since people have been buying fishing lures so it's a great process pure fishing i I really give them credit because it you know there were several times where they wanted to bring out things early there were several times when they threatened to even just throw us to the curb and just go on with their lives but uh, they stayed with the commitment to us and you know we've we've brought out especially with pure fishing several great things that uh, just really really work well so uh that's probably one of our my my proudest uh accomplishments in in fishing is to be able to come out with lures like that that just help people catch fish because that it's still what i really just want to do is help you catch some fish uh, that's that's always what i've been my main goal in all of my career the thing so when i look at like what berkeley's doing you know with um you know, with their hard baits. I mean, they have really stu- stepped up their hard bait game. I've always been a fan, right. you know, ever since I was, I mean, I, I fell in love with power bait when I was 17 years old at a local quarry catching right. smallmouth and saw the difference that it, it made, right. you know? So I, I was sold on power bait really, very early, but to see what they've done with their hard baits now right. and knowing that you guys really, I mean, uh, you I know, the flicker them. shad and, 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 and no, and talking with you just off camera and just working with you so much and just how you would uh, tell stories about how long it took to get that action right on a particular bait. Right. That gave me confidence to go just myself go, Oh, they got a great flicker shad, you know, uh, selection here. I have no problem getting a flicker shad over, you know, some other product because I know right. how much was put into that bait. And, and I mean, I would hope, and I think they did, but like Berkeley, just the fact that that is great, just saying that that's, you know, that what it took just in their marketing mm-hmm. and it took so much extensive testing to get this thing dialed in. Yeah. That's going to sell uh, anglers. And I just, you know. The nice thing is we were, because it was so successful, once we did get that all going, you're now seeing it with the bass guys a lot, you know, a lot of the different bass guys, Fritz and, and Hank Cherry and a bunch of them now are designing them, but they're going through the same process we did design the bait, make sure the fish tell you it's a good bait. Then it comes out. And so, 
it's kind of cool to see that too, that the process we kind of pioneered is now being used throughout pure fishing. And, and they're just really are making some great, great hard, especially hard baits, but you're even seeing in the soft baits now too. Yeah. And so that's, uh, I, I've gotten to a point where I'm such a fan of the company um, that I'm like, you know, there's so many, and it's, it's really a great time to be an angler because there's so many great uh, everybody's just kind of like raised their game in fishing. Right. They really have. So, but uh, there's also like, there, it can be a, a dizzying array of choices. And <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I mean, I like Berkeley and they've got so many offerings now. I'm just going to stick with, you know, they've got spinner baits coming out now. And, right. and, and uh, I mean, all they're, they, they're covering the whole gamut. So right. I'm just like, well, I'm going to see what they, I'm going to, just buy products from them and just see how they are because I like the company so much. And, and I, cause they kind of, they offer everything I kind of need now, you know? Right. So, um, you were, you were bringing up the bass world and I knew, you know, we'd have some conversations in the boat sometimes with, with you dabbling, uh, thinking about dabbling into the bass world. I know Sprangle, you know, Corey, um, right. is, is really an excellent Corey. If you don't know, Corey's a, uh, you know, he's not a young, he's not young anymore, I guess. You can't call him young, but he came on the oh, scene. Pretty young. Yeah, it's all yeah. relative. <laughs> I mean, he he came on the scene in the walleye world. He, he was quite the young phenom. Um, yes. But he, yeah, he, you know, he was, he's also really eaten up with bass fishing. But what, what is your opinion on just the, the state of, you know, uh, bass fishing, the state of walleye fishing? Where do you think it's at right now? Well, I mean, as far as walleye fishing, I think we've got some of the best fishing we've had maybe in forever. I mean, it's just the electronics and stuff. You're just capable of finding more fish and that, you know, just putting yourself on more fish. I think bass is the same way. As far as tournaments, I, I think, you know, there's a little influx going in and on the bass side with having the MLF and the, and the uh, BASS, I think that's starting to shake out a little bit now. Some people really like MLF. Some people really like BASS. That's all good. I think walleye fishing is doing fine as far as tournaments. There's a lot of great, you know, uh, like the AIM circuit. A lot of people are, are really embracing that with uh, not having to bring fish in, just measuring them and converting them to weight. Um, the NWT is doing really good. They're getting hundred, you know, hundred bold fields, the national walleye tour. That's the one I fish is doing really well. There's a lot of state tournaments there's a lot of local tournaments. So I think overall, I probably see more tournaments now than I ever have for walleye fishing. I'm not as up on it in bass. I follow the two big circuits, but you know, I, it just seems like, you know, even COVID I think was really good for fishing. And outdoors in general, you could just see it by the sales and stuff. People got out and it was a way to kind of, you know, not be in a crowded room of people with germs and diseases. You're outdoors, you feel healthier and Jesus fishing is kind of fun. And a lot of that has to do just with what you said. There's so many great products out there now that just make it easier to catch fish. Um, you know, you don't got to keep leeches alive. You just put on a power leech, you know, or something like that that makes it super easy and people actually can go out and catch fish. And once they catch a fish, it kind of not only hooks the fish, but it hooks that angler. I mean, you start catching fish and just like all of us, the bite, the fight, the picture. Before you know it, you're spending $75,000 on a walleye boat. <laughs> well, you can work your way up to that. That's like anything, right? And 75, by the way, is a little cheap, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of fishing. Especially in the saltwater world. You're seeing boats oh, down there, man. Yeah. Lord have mercy. The the bad thing down here is too is they like corrode away after a while. <laughs> you don't really stay on top of it and wash them and clean them and watch your electronic connection. I mean, it it this salt is terrible. Holds a lot of fish, but it's it's nasty stuff. <laughs> the um so I the trends, um, the trends in fishing are pretty crazy. So forward facing sonar, you know, is, is just, I, I, so when I'm filming these major league fishing events, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm just like, I'm, I'm filming history, like this revolutionary moment. I, I did a shoot. I did a shoot last fall on table rock Lake. It was for the, um, 
for that million dollar tournament that that Johnny was right. throwing, you know, right. these guys, you know, and I'd lived down there for for six years. And so I've, I've got experience on Table Rock to see these guys, these young anglers going out with forward facing sonar out to the no man's land, I'll call it. Right. Um, and just sweeping you know, sweeping right. the, the trolling motor, sweeping with that, that forward facing sonar to locate suspending schools uh, or not even schools. I shouldn't say schools, just roamers, individual fish, individual yeah. fish relating to uh, shad, you know, shad schools and then going and just like picking them off in the, in no man's land. Those are fish that have never been targeted before. And we've, and, we've seen the same thing on walleye fishing, you know, I mean, maybe a little bit, but for the first time, maybe in, since my career started, we were a little behind the bass guys in that, uh, everything else electronics, we've kind of been ahead of them, but they got on that and they, they sure showed everybody how to do that. And, and I think this last two years, three years ago, when it first came out, you saw a few guys doing it on the walleye, but now if you don't have one, there's just a lot of bites. You aren't competing just cause you're casting to maybe water. They're casting for sure a fish. So, uh, it's great that live target I run on mine, the Lawrence live target is it's it's it it's kind of it's kind of turned it into ice fishing. You know, ice fishing, you sit with that transducer down the hole, you see a fish come in, you work it, you can see how it relate reacts to it, how it relates to your lure. If it don't bite it, you know, maybe I should switch the lure or whatever. This is kind of the same. It's real time. You can see the fish out there. Sometimes you can see your bait, but a lot of times you see them go after the bait. It's, it's amazing stuff. And, and I think it's going to get better, you know, going to get a little bit more better and better uh, as we go here in the next few years. And who knows what they'll come up with after that. No, it's, it's pretty crazy. Just the technology. And um, I, I, it's, it's definitely been the most, I mean, there's been a, there's been a few um, just revolutionary things, I guess, in the last 10 years. I mean, that's the biggest one. It's just, it's just nuts just to see how it's changing the game, you know? Mm -hmm. um what are so i've always do you think and this is kind of changing the subject a bit or you know uh do you think i just this just popped into my mind i know there's some artificial um only walleye kind of tournaments that are happening do you think that walleye fishing um do you think it could ever just go to just strictly artificial or will live bait uh, always be a component in walleye fishing and competitive walleye fishing in particular? Well, first of all, I'm not a proponent of going all artificial. I, I know pure fishing would love you. Berkeley would love me to say it is, but uh, live bait is part of walleye fishing. It's, it's part of sometimes that's the best way to catch, to catch walleyes. What's interesting though is, is there are very, very few tournaments won anymore on just live bait. Um, you know, I, it, it takes me a while. If I go pre-fishing, I'm throwing a, a gulp minnow or I'm throwing a, a you know, a power bait night crawler, something like that, way before I ever go to the bait shop and buy live bait. Now, if they just won't take that, then I might go and get that stuff, you know. Uh, but I've got so many options now in color, you know, ripple shads and paddle tails, and they're coming out with four or five new baits this next, you'll see coming up here in the next few months on plastics for walleyes. I call it plastics, but artificials for walleyes, whether it's gulp or power bait or whatever, max scent, um, that there's so many options that most of the time you do way better with artificials than you do with, with uh, live bait not to mention the hassle of keeping live bait alive. Um, so I'm not for going to artificials. If there's an artificial only tournament, I'll, I'll be fine with it. But I think, again, part of the reason I fish tournaments is to try and develop techniques that help people catch more fish. And sometimes live bait catches more fish. So why shouldn't I be telling them about that? Why shouldn't I be using it uh, during a tournament uh, if that's the best way to catch fish. So I've always been for in a tournament, allow us to do whatever's kind of legal. Uh, you know, if we can troll three rods in Wisconsin, let us troll three rods in a, in a tournament. Most tournaments don't let us do that, but I always think they should, you know, uh, I can still remember my early years. Uh, Gary Roach was one of my good friends. I think the world of Gary Roach, excellent, excellent live bait fisherman, jigger and rigger and things like that but he petitioned hard to the tournament trails and he had the 
Lindner's ears back then, the PWT, he wanted every boat, first of all, be a tiller so that we wouldn't have these big horsepower engines. He wanted every boat to uh, only have a flasher, not, not LCDs and all this stuff, no GPSs for sure, and everybody fish one rod. That's what he thought. Then, then he was like, then you'll know who the real anglers are, you know? And I was like, well, you'll know who the real Gary Roach anglers are because that's how Gary Roach liked to fish, you know? But I, I, I think improvements in technology is driven by tournaments and, and improvements in technology are going to get more people to fish and are going to help them catch more fish. So I'm all for those, whether it's an artificial bait or live bait really doesn't matter to me. So this, this transitions really well, this question. So this is a perfect segue into this question. So are, are, um, are flashers still needed in ice fishing, Keith? I don't use them. I, I haven't used them for, you know, I think the first year I ice fished back in the eighties, I used, uh, 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 that the biggest thing about a flasher is it will absolutely show you fish. It will absolutely show you your bait, but it doesn't draw you a picture. You got to be staring at that flasher full time and have a lot of experience, uh, interpreting what you're seeing, those little blips and the movements and stuff. And if you spend enough time staring at a flasher, or you can certainly do that. I, on the other hand, can very quickly teach somebody to look at an LCD, show them everything that that flasher shows them, but it's in a super easy, almost a picture. Oh, here comes an arc up. That's the fish coming in to look at your bait. Oh, your bait's moving. Yep. You lift it up. You moved with it. Still good. Shake it. I can see all that. So I'm not for flashers. I know a lot of guys like using them. It's all good. It's all fine. Use your flashers. I will continue to use my LCD. Uh, with you, the use your technology that was developed in the 1960s. Um, that, I, have been... two, I have two boxes. They're sitting <laughs> in my shed. I, I, you know, I'm thinking one day maybe a flower planter or something like that would be nice out of them, you know, because to me, that's about, you know, I used to run a paper graph too, and it was the greatest thing in all the world. I'm not going to run a paper graph now either. Uh, the LCDs are so nice. The new you know, the, uh, uh, lithium batteries now make the batteries so much easier. You do have to run heavier, you know, more battery power out there, but the lithium batteries are so lightweight and easy to use. They work fine on the ice. Uh, I run a, I run a nine or a 12 inch screen out on the ice. I just love the nice big picture. Um, so I will continue to do that. The guys who want to run the flasher, good for you. I don't want to take up too much uh, more of your time. I appreciate you, you, you doing this. I, uh, I, we haven't talked in a while, so I, I'm just, I'm just one of these guys. I'm really kind of a, uh, a, a hybrid of an introvert extrovert. I can like, honestly, I hope you don't take any offense that I don't keep in touch with anybody. Some of my closest friends, like got in California grew up with, you know, it's just once in a while, like may once or twice a year. I mean, I'm, I just am like that, but it doesn't mean I, I don't care. I, you know, I'm just, I'm not someone that really just keeps in contact well. Okay. But I want to say that, but that doesn't mean I haven't appreciated uh, working with you. And, and some people are very sensitive, I guess. I don't really think that you're that, you're that way, but I just want, I'm just putting that out there. It almost sounds to me like you're, you know, trying to get back in with me to come down here and go fishing. Well, maybe I will take you fishing. Yes. So <laughs> my wife and I, we are in the Florida Keys in February. So, and you know, I, Florida, let me tell you, if, if uh, it is a, it is a fishing paradise. So I will take you up on that, my friend, but I do want to, <laughs> I do want to just touch on a few, uh, just a couple other things, but so ex- explain that transition. So you're a Northern guy and, and listen, this last winter and spring in particular, this spring has sucked up here. Um, it's been grateful and it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so my wife and I are trying to figure out, okay, you know, trying to do the, uh, the transition like everybody up here tries to do, or this, the snowbird route, you know, right. living up here in the summer, going down there and, and uh, in the winter, we haven't quite figured out a strategy yet to pull that off, but we're, we're yeah. aiming to, to, to figure it out. But to, to explain your transition. So you're up in, you know, I don't know. Do you still live in Wisconsin? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So you're up in Wisconsin at, at some points of the year, and then you're down in Florida, but how did you, how did you make that transition from a Northern angler to, okay, now I'm in Florida and I got to figure all this out. And I mean, it's, there's a lot going on down there. There is a lot going down. I, I mean, I, I think the big thing is, is more than a Northern angler, I'm just an angler again, you know? And so the hardest part about angling walleye fishing bass anything is finding fish um if you can find fish then you figure then you can read about how to do a technique or watch video and, and learn a technique that might work and figure it out and pretty much that's what i did down here i i pretty early decided i i didn't like fishing inshore as much which is the schnook and redfish and things that you hear about because it's very tide related it's very uh, current related. It's the fish move around a lot. Um, what I was more interested in doing is kind of fishing like I fish for walleyes is just go out and find some structure, figure out what fish are on it, and then figure out a way to catch them. So big electronics down here. Uh, I will tell you, even more than forward-facing sonar down here, your side scans, where you can just drive around these massive, it's just a big flat out in the Gulf, basically. But then all of a sudden, if you see a little pile of rocks, or you see a little ledge or a little hump, or if you're lucky, maybe you see a, 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 a wreck out there or something like that. There's fish on every one of those in the ocean, in the Gulf, because in the Gulf, it's probably 95% muck silt kind of bottom. And that 5% that's got any kind of structure, living bottom, rock, ledge, anything, it's going to have fish. And once the, you know there's fish there, then it's just a matter of, of trying some techniques, whether it's artificials or a lot of live bait or live bait, cut bait, you know, a lot of different ways to catch them down here. The good thing is in Florida, everything eats, <laughs> everything eats everything. And offshore, it seems like it don't matter what the weather is. It don't matter about cold fronts. It don't matter about nothing. You find fish, you catch fish. So it isn't, I think it's way, way, way easier down here. Uh, but again, it all starts with finding spots and finding locations. You can find some on maps down here. Hopefully you get to be buddies with somebody who's got some GPS points or you find an old map from an old guy and you translate numbers from the old Loran C numbers over to GPS. Any way you can find spots, you find spots. And, and once you have them, just catch the fish that's down here. So not a real hard transition. In fact, just a really enjoyable one. My favorite thing to do is I take people out a fair amount, buddies that come down or families or friends or whatever. And that's fun kind of showing them how good the fishery is. But one of my funnest is just when I'm, maybe it's just one of me and one of my boys and we don't really have anything to target that day. And we just head out there and start looking for new spots because a lot of times new spots are even loaded more than the, the older spots. So it's just fun down here. Everybody should get down here, even if it's to visit, but if you can make it down, snowbird down, I do it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, no, it's the, the thing about saltwater fishing is, um, you know, yeah, there's, there's competition, you know, the fish competition, um, you know, in freshwater, but the competition in saltwater, what's going on, the doggy dog nature, uh, uh, that's ha of the animals underneath the water. That's it's, it is so crazy. It's supercharged. It's, they fight so hard, like most yeah saltwater fish because they're chasing something that's super fast or they're running away from something that's super fast or they're, so when you, or they're living in current you know it's always got tidal current out there they're having to swim against that the other thing is is out here you know you catch a small fish that's bait the one you catch next is probably bait too and maybe the one after that is still bait because <laughs> everything eats everything down here it's just unreal i mean you can work your way we were saying the other day we you could probably go out there with one shrimp, put it down, and hopefully you catch your first fish, whatever it is. Cut up that fish, put it down, and catch a bunch more, and then use some of them bigger ones, put them up. You know, I mean, you could just almost the go right circle up the, of the life. <laughs> Fun place. Fun place. Yeah, no, it, it is. Uh, it is. If, if you've not experienced saltwater fishing, you really have to because you it's, it's going to blow your mind. It's um, right. it is it is supercharged fishing and it's finest. And the other thing, too, you know, life evolved first in the ocean. So, you know, they there's that life has happened so much. There's ha there's been such a headway, uh, 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 you know, on those animals. So 
is, as compared to the less evolved freshwater, freshwater species, easy for me to say. Um, so wrapping up, I just wanted to like, are you still fishing tournaments? Are you still, you're, you're still yep. fishing tournaments, right? So what? Yeah, I still fish the NWT. In fact, right now I'm in like fourth overall for angler of the year. So nicely done. Of course. I'm not surprised. <laughs> so yeah, I still fish that once in a while. If my schedule allows it, uh, I fish uh, the aim events with my boys. I've got three boys who like to fish. So I'll go and fish some of those. So yeah, I, I mean, I still love tournament fishing. I mean, I don't do the TV show anymore. I, I sold that part out to Gary a few years ago, just, just because I'm spending a little bit more time down here and just kind of where I'm at in my life, just want to fish more than really do. Like you said, there's a lot more business behind a TV show than just fishing. So I uh, just kind of wanted to get out of that a little bit. So I sold that to Gary. So Gary and Chase are keeping the next bite going and they're doing a great job with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, tournaments are some I'll probably, you know, even if I don't fish the whole circuit at some point, it, it's still something I love to do. And I'll cherry pick some of the ones that I like and and kind of pass on some of the ones like, well, like the Detroit River at the end of March in 2022. I, I would pass on that every time again for the rest of my life. So, um, you can be a little bit more selective now at this stage in your <laughs> career now, but so yeah, it, it's all going great. I mean, I, I still work a lot with the sponsors on product and testing and R and D. So that, that's a fun part of my job. So I'm just trying to pick out things that I really now like to do in fishing, still do a lot of posting, still do a lot of social media still, you know, uh, attend a fair amount of like seminars and stuff at the Bass Pros and things, but uh, just trying to pick more things that are the fun parts for me instead of just the overall full deal. So, well, I've enjoyed uh, talking with you, my friend, and sorry, it's been, you know, this long before, you know, since we've, we've talked, but um, right. I thought this was, let's, let's record this. Let's record this conversation <laughs> and, uh, and share it I'm to the it. world. Um, there you go. But, but uh, you know, if you're listening to this uh, and, uh, you know, you, you've followed Keith's career, you know that there's um, uh, there's very few anglers that have got the business acumen, the professionalism, and then tie that all in with just being an excellent fisherman. So someone that's eaten up with fishing you'd be hard pressed to find a, another angler like Keith that has all those things. And, and that's why you've got the career that, that you've got. So um, I, uh, I just want to say that I've appreciated very much working with you. Um, I feel honored to have worked uh, so extensively, even at the very, you know, at the ground floor of the next bite, that's something, even though, you know, there are days that, uh, you know, I didn't sleep uh, several days. Um, getting that out the door, but that, you know, it's, it's something as a fan of fishing, I, I, um, I feel just very proud to have, have worked right. with some of the Titans in the industry. And maybe I don't think that's an exaggeration in, in freshwater fishing. <laughs> you're certainly up there. So, um, I feel very lucky to, uh, have been in a boat with you, um, uh, Keith, through the, through and we'll the do it again. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for taking uh, taking the time to do this. And yeah, I will. I'm going to get down to Florida, my friend. I'll be here. <laughs>